It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to a Locked On Podcast Network crossover episode from deep inside Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. I'm Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors, joined by Keith Pompey of Locked On Sixers. How's it going? I'm doing well. How you been, man? I'm good. The Raptors just uh, obliterated the Sixers, so anyone who's a Raptors fan right now I think is doing okay. 125-89 in Game 3 uh, in Toronto on Monday, Tuesday night. I don't even know what day it is at this point. All the days run together yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah so... Raps take at 125.89. I guess we'll start big and we can get granular from there. What was your biggest takeaway from this? Why did the Sixers fall so flat in what was the biggest game of both of these team seasons and maybe you know, the biggest game for both of these teams since like 2001 <laughs> like with everything riding on this? You know, it, it looks like a lot is being made of, well, the Sixers are trying to make it say Jimmy Butler said, hey, it wasn't just Joel. Mm-hmm. All of us came out flat. I think a lot of it had to do with Joel. And I'm not saying that Joel Embiid is the reason they lost. What I'm saying is Joel Embiid didn't have the energy. He looked like he was laboring. Mm-hmm. And I think that affected how the Sixers played. Mm-hmm. I'm not blaming him for the loss. But what I'm saying is it just seemed like he just wasn't his normal self. And it got to a point where defensively he wasn't there. He was either late or he wasn't even in the right area. Mm-hmm. And offensively, he just didn't have it. And I think that just took the whole team out of whack. Yeah, so let's start with the Embiid stuff. So before the game, uh, he didn't come out immediately with for warm-ups before this game. I think the same thing happened in game two, so it's not like it's new. And he's been dealing with like plenty of different sicknesses so far in this series. He got a respiratory thing. He had the gastroenteritis earlier on in the series. Obviously, the knee is still kind of lingering, too. Um, but, like, I, I don't know. You know the Sixers team better than I do. Are they able to, like, succeed without him? Does he have to be sort of a central force for them to succeed? Or, like, are there other parts that, on a better night, would be able to sort of uplift the parts that Embiid lets, like, sag off today? Or is it kind of all Embiid-centric? Because that's what it feels like, almost. Like, when he's not there... Yeah, Jimmy Butler can, you know, run a pick and roll here and there, but when he's doing that, Ben Simmons is hanging out off the ball. When Simmons is on the ball, you know, it's, it's turnovers everywhere. It's, you know, the inability to shoot. He's kind of easy to scheme for. Um, like, how central is Embiid being 100% to this team's sort of ceiling? I mean, that's a good question to ask. Um, really, 
He's he's central. When Joel Embiid is playing at a high level, there's, in my opinion, he's the most dominant post player in the game. Mm -hmm. When Joel Embiid is not playing at a high level, you may be better off going without him. I mean, if he's hurt or he's injured. And I know that sounds crazy, but they had a game. It was game three against um, against the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. And mm-hmm. B didn't play. Mm-hmm. And the other guys stepped up and they played well. In the regular season, they went to OKC without Embiid. Mm-hmm. And they played well. And I feel like, you know, Embiid was sick. He... He was hampered. He was bothered. He had a lot of stuff going on. I felt like, in hindsight, the Sixers would have been better off not playing him in Game 3, mm-hmm. resting him up, and seeing how he can go right now. Yeah. Because I believe that offensively, his struggles came back to haunt him in that game. And this game, he just wasn't the same person. Mm-hmm. So if you get a healthy Joel Embiid, he makes the team a whole lot better. But if you don't, um, have one. If he's going to hamper things and mess things up, they're better off playing without him, in my opinion. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Is He is so central to the team that when he's out there, they're going to run the offense through him because mm-hmm. he's Joel exactly. freaking Embiid. He's yeah, really, yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. But in this case, you know, a lot of sort of you know tricky post-ups. He had eight turnovers in this game. And that, you know, with the Raptors sort of in their insane transition offense, they got it going tonight in a big way. They were 16 of 40 from deep. A lot of that felt like it was really easy threes coming off a one pass in transition. Danny Green really got it going. He's been cool the entire series, it seems like. Uh, Marcus Gasol had three threes. You know, it just felt like everyone kind of got rolling in this one. And a lot of that was due to those turnovers. And so you have the Embiid thing where, like, yes, Embiid, when he's out there and sort of doing his thing, like we saw in Game Three, he's tremendous, and he makes it so much harder to you know manage the series because you have to send extra help his way. And then he's a good enough passer, maybe not a perfect passer yet, but a good enough passer to pick you apart. And in this game, it just wasn't there for him, and it did feel like almost he was a drag on the team when he was out there. It was the first time, pretty much all series, where he wasn't a very notable positive. He was a negative 15, uh, you know, where he's been like a plus 17 while the rest of the team has, you know, been all minuses at certain times in the series. So uh, I agree. It just felt like maybe, and it sucks because there's not like a backup center they can throw out there, right? It's it, it's you know it's Amir Johnson, I mean, it, it's Jonah yeah, Bolden. It's it, there's not a lot in the yeah, way of other options, it, right? It, here's the thing: like when when he doesn't play. And again, yeah. I'm not taking, and I don't want people to think that I'm saying the Sixers are better off without him mm-hmm. because they're not. Mm-hmm. He is the best player. But if he's ailing and if he can't play defense, like he's a rim protector for him. Mm-hmm. He's also a guy who, in the post, he fouls you out, he does other things. If he is lagging and look the way he did to last night, you know, what you do is you can put Greg Monroe in there, mm-hmm. and what you do is you look for, you open up opportunities for Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. you know, Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick. The five-man in that instance just becomes a guy who's an energy guy grabbing rebounds, setting picks. You understand? Mm-hmm. The whole thing changes. So, like, we both agree, it just seems as if that if he's not able to go 100%, and if he's lagging and if it's one of those things where he has to get IVs, he's doing bed rest, the coach said, for three days, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, we love you, bruh. <laughs> but, bruh, you may just have to sit out this game yeah. because everything's online. They have four. They have, like him, they have a Ben Simmons who's an all-star. 
Jimmy Butler should have been an all-star. Tobias Harris is a fringe Mm all-star. They should still be able to do something Mm -hmm. without him if he's not able to play. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who can help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, I uh, I think we agree there. It wasn't all the Sixers sort of just coughing this one up. I think the Raptors did a lot to sort of, oh, of impose course. their will on this game. So let's kind of dive into what the Raps did here. Um, I'll give you carte blanche here, Keith. Who was a Raptor that impressed you tonight and why? Well, on this night, it was Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it just seemed like – I know he shot two for seven on threes. That's not good. I mean, he was seven for 19 overall. But, you know, to me, it was one of those things where coming off of the, the poor performance he had last game, mm-hmm. he just looked better. Mm-hmm. You know, he was more energetic, but uh, athletic. But then, you know, I, got, I have to give Serge Ibaka, yeah. like, my Iron Man award. You know, we're <laughs> sitting here talking about Joel Embiid having a cold. You know, Serge had to get three stitches. Mm-hmm. He came back out after that. I mean, I guess... You know, we're playing in Hockey Town, right, or whatever. You know, one of the greatest hockey, one of the greatest hockey city in the world. So, you know, this guy is was like a hockey player. He gets banged up. He comes back. Next thing you know, the bandage is bleeding, blood coming out. He gets rebandaged and comes back out in the game. So, you know, give it to Serge, man. He was four for seven. He had, he had uh, ten points. He was a plus 27. Mm-hmm. We all know what Kawhi does. Yeah. So I'm not even going to mention him. Aside from saying he had 21 points and 13 rebounds, mm-hmm. but who stood out to you? Well, Kawhi to me, it was interesting because this is probably the worst game he's played this series. Maybe outside of uh, Game Three against Orlando, the worst game he's played so far in the playoffs. And he still, like you said, 21-13. He had four assists and no turnovers, which was the big thing for me because, and I think it was after the game, Kyle uh, mentioned this that like when. Kawhi is like making those plays and like they're they're having extra attention sent his way. It just opens up everything else, right? Yeah. And for him to be able to make those reads when the, when the Sixers do send extra guys, and you know for it to end up with threes for Danny Green and threes for Marcus All, and those guys are willingly taking them, it, it just makes it it's such a hard problem to sort of grapple with if you're Brett Brown. Like, do you keep sending doubles Kawhi's way because obviously him going seven to sixteen is what you want from him, but if he's not going to be turning the ball over and he's going to you know have four assists and probably a bunch of other potential assists or secondary assists. It's uh, it's it's tricky. It's a really hard team to grapple with. It's a really hard problem to solve because there are five guys who can all shoot, usually yeah. on the floor for the Raptors at every single time of the game. And I thought Kawhi was really good on offense in this game, despite the rough shooting night. I mean, the two dunks he had to end the second and third quarters were just like unreal sort of momentum-shifting dunks. And I thought just the way that he sort of 
Honestly, he most impressed me on defense in this game. The, you know, there were a couple times early in the first quarter where he was very much in full Kawhi Leonard, just rip the ball out of your hands while you're dribbling mode. And when he's doing that, like, you can't even go near him. There were a couple times where Jimmy Butler drove and Kawhi was sort of helping in rim protection because they were leaving James Ennis off in the corner and not touching him. And Kawhi's just there. And Jimmy Butler's deterred and, and looks elsewhere. I, uh, I thought Kawhi was, uh, despite the sort of off shooting line, he was really, really good in this game. And Kyle Lowry for me, man. I mean, Kevin Arnovitz wrote the excellent piece for ESPN Today about Kyle and sort of his, like, understated genius. And this one, similar to Game 4, he came out when the Raptors' offense was a bit sticky early in the game. And he, you know, got, he pulled you know pulled up for a 3. He got to the basket for an N1 um, and just had a really sort of spunky start to the game. And then as the game sort of, you know, eased in and the Raptors found their flow, he, you know, dial it back a little bit the aggression but he found he picked a spot certainly he had 19 points in this game uh six boards five assists it was it was a perfect kyle lowry game as well and so i think he deserves a ton of credit and yeah again shows to serge Ibaka. the raptors have been going with this big lineup the last couple games here and i think nick nurse deserves some credit here too for kind of adjusting his rotation it was really wonky the first couple games and they were getting killed in the minutes where joel Embiid was playing against Ibaka. and now he's kind of figured it out where with all three of his bigs playing well which is a nice thing um when you have those three guys playing well you can kind of just you know rotate them in and out it doesn't really matter who's you know playing with who there were times where it was Ibaka siakam times where it's gasol Ibaka. some so you know obviously siakam and gasol is the sort of go-to pairing there and i thought nurse did a good job in this game of sort of not having the same like wholesale bench changes that he usually has and was sort of just like on the fly seamlessly okay one guy's in one guy's out we're not going to like rotate too crazy we're not going to have three bench guys on the court at the same time and i thought that worked really well fred van vliet got going a little bit he had five points in this one and looked more comfortable than he has in the entire series uh i just thought it was a really well managed game from nurse as well um so going ahead to game six what are you thinking for the sixers you know if Embiid, it's only one day again in between games here if Embiid can't get back to health i can't imagine they're going to sit him even if maybe it might help them sort of nah, find their flow do you have hope the Sixers can turn this thing around in Game Six? Do you like what do you think they can do? What can they change from how they approach this game? Because uh, it does feel like it's kind of teetering here for Philly. You know what? You know what? I used to have a pretty good grasp on the Sixers. Right now, <laughs> they're like an, an enigma to me. I mean, seriously, you don't know what you're going to get yeah. from day to day. Um, you know, I do. I think they can if they have pride in this and that. Like if they don't quit. I think that they can come in there and get it. Here's the thing about this series. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Well, it really didn't happen this game. But for the most part, like the one, whoever like dominated a game, basically the other team came back and won the next game. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those pride things. Yeah. I think the Sixers have their backs against the walls. Mm-hmm. Guys are going to come out and they're going to be fired up. But again, a lot of it has to do, has to deal with Embiid. You know, it's how is he going to play? We know Jimmy Butler's going to come, you know, come out. You know, Ben Simmons is going to have to have better um, command of the ball, Mm -hmm. you know, this and that. And see, the problem with the Sixers is three guys you mentioned. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Serge Ibaka, you mentioned Kyle Lowry, and Marcus Gasol. These were three three guys who struggled early in the series. Mm-hmm. Now they're making shots. Mm-hmm. So whereas you're focusing on Kawhi, you're fer- focusing on Pascal Siakam, and then these guys are just killing them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's the problem. And let's face it, Toronto is a better team than the Sixers right now. The Sixers have 
Joel Embiid, when healthy, is a beast. Mm-hmm. So I think that the Sixers may win this game, game mm-hmm. six. I think. But, like, again, you never know what which Sixers team is going to show up. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I think Toronto is going to win the series. The Sixers may win game six. But I don't see them coming back here on Sunday if they force it and win on Mother's Day. I don't see it. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And that's one thing with Ben Simmons, right? Is like It feels like if he were to sort of do the thing that he did, say, in the first round last year against Miami, he did the thing that he did for that streak where they won 18 in a row to close the season last year, and even if Embiid's not 100%, even if he's playing, but they kind of limit his minutes or his exposure or how much they run the offense through him, like, Simmons has got to be better. Like, he's been rough in this series, and I really, really believe in Ben Simmons. I think he's awesome. I've had, like, a theory that if you were to put him on the Bucks and take Giannis off of it, they wouldn't be as good as the Bucks, but that would be a 50-plus win team if you had Simmons in that role with guys around him who can shoot, and it's sort of a team catered towards what Simmons' strengths are, but it's it's really rough right now because there's not really a great way to use him because you have him on the ball and Kawhi Leonard's kind of shutting him down and he's kind of relishing that challenge and then Jimmy Butler becomes kind of just like a dude hanging out off the ball playing Danny Green like Danny Green's role whereas if you have Simmons off the ball you got Butler on the ball which has been really effective in the pick and roll Simmons is not offering you anything he's just like giving the ball to Butler and just kind of standing in the corner and the Raptors are just helping off nonstop because they know he's not going to shoot and so I don't know have you seen anything from Simmons that you think can be improved on here? Like, how do they get more out of Simmons in Game 6? Because they're absolutely going to need it. I mean, the best thing they can try to do is just posting them up. Mm-hmm. And the problem is now is you have Kawhi on them, mm-hmm. which is a hard matchup for him. Kawhi's stronger. He has quick hands, a great defender. You know, and then when, like you said, I mean, it's tough. Like, if I'm Brett Brown, that's the major – well, there's two things, and be – and then what you just said is the second thing. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the point guard? Who's going to have the ball in their hands? Because the team is right now, especially in the playoffs, the team is better when Jimmy has the ball. Mm-hmm. And then Tobias, too, because Tobias can run the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, Ben Simmons, you just post him up. You may have to, hey, hey, look, dude, you got to run to the rim. We're going to go out there. You run to the rim. We're going to throw some lobs, mm-hmm. you know. But other than that, he's just going to be a defender. You know, the thing about Ben Simmons, I typically say to myself, like, I don't get caught up in his shots Mm -hmm. attempts because he can affect the game a lot of other ways. Mm -hmm. But he only shot the ball five times tonight. Yeah. Right? But more so than Ben Simmons. The biggest, if you look at their starters, right, the person who was the biggest disappointment to me 
was J.J. Reddick. Mm-hmm. He was one for six from the field. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, he had, what, three points. He was a minus 21. So it's like to a point is in order for them to get hot, J.J. Reddick is the best three-point shooter on the team. Mm-hmm. You know, traditionally, he has to make shots. Yeah. You can't go one for six. So you look at it, you know, their backcourt had a combined ten points, mm-hmm. right? That's not good. And then you look at a guy, James Ennis the third. He was 0 for 4. He had one point. He was a minus 30. Mm-hmm. No, they can't <laughs> win like that. Now, again, you have to give Toronto credit. Toronto's bench finally came to play collectively, mm-hmm. so they had a great, a great, uh, a great time. But you know the Sixers are just. This is a big game from the biggest game of the year, and you're looking at it, and several guys laid an egg, mm-hmm. and they can't do that. Yeah, and I, I think I'll wrap it here and say I think this game kind of summed up why I picked the Raptors in five to begin with. It was. Everyone kind of playing off of Kawhi and sort of taking advantage of the extra attention put his way. Uh, it was the Sixers bench not coming through because we like the Sixers bench has been a problem. And James Ennis has had a nice series, but I think this was closer to what people would have expected from Ennis coming into the series than you know the double digits he was putting up for the most of the first part of the series. And I also thought finally after five whole games, the Raptors decided okay we're going to target JJ Redick on defense. And I thought they did that over and over again. Kawhi pass. It didn't really matter. They were taking it to him whenever they could and leveraging either that into good one-on-one looks or leveraging the extra attention that that requires. If if Reddick's stuck on Pascal Siakam, they send extra help. Siakam kicks to Leonard, who who, who swings it over to Green. Cash, it's a three for the Raptors. So I I thought this, this was just all the stuff that the Raptors kind of, their edges really came to the front in this game. And yes, it's an extreme. They won by 36. Like, they're not going to win the next game by 36, I would guess. But this is kind of, if you're a Raptors fan, I think you can kind of reestablish your confidence you had in the team before. And, you know, all the advantages that people thought the Raptors had coming in, the reason they were such big favorites, kind of came home to roost in this game. Uh, Keith, thank you so much for joining me. I got to catch a bus. You got to catch a flight in the morning. You got to go to bed. Uh, listen to Locked On Sixers. Listen to Locked On Raptors. Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Himalaya. And uh, Keith, man, if I don't see you <laughs> for Game 7, it's been a pleasure doing these podcasts this year, and we'll, we'll meet up next year. Yeah, and, and if I don't meet you for Game 7, have a great time in the Eastern Conference Finals covering <laughs> Here's hoping. All right. Thanks so much. We'll be back again with another episode of Locked on Raptors, Locked on Sixers at some point. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.